The Ponder Podcast exists to help women engage their hearts with the Word of God on the go. I'm your host, Laura Hardin, and today we're continuing in our series, A Hard Providence, with something special. My friend Paula Barrera is joining us today to ponder John 11, 1 through 44 with us. This conversation was so good, I had to break it up into two parts. A little bit about my friend. Paula was born in Spanish, lives in French, and thinks in English. She loves words and uses them as arrows to point to the best words she knows, those left by our maker and found in scripture. She's a writer, speaker, and mentor who wants to encourage us to live everyday life in all its messy glory with a biblical perspective. Canadian through the gift of immigration, she loves cold snowy winters and lives with her husband Gustavo in the bilingual city of Montreal. Paula is such a dear friend. I have gotten to know her over the past couple years and I just know that this conversation is going to be a blessing. It was at least a blessing to me. So let's jump right in. Before we jump in, I'd love to just hear like what are things like in Montreal right now? Is it really um from what I know from people like in like I don't know Minneapolis area, it's like still icy snow. And right now I'm feeling like spring, hints of summer. So I'm just curious what it's like where you are. Uh, yeah, no, no hints of summer. Um <laughs> No, none whatsoever. Um, spring shyly uh, sticks its beautiful head out occasionally in the form of sunshine and warmer days, but it's uh, it's um, spread in between several days in a row with a forecast of cold, rainy, dark, mm. and occasional snow. So that's how we're doing. <laughs> gotcha. But you like the snow, right? You like to run. I the do. Snow? I okay. do. I love the snow. And frankly, I like the cold. Mm. Um, I think the the gray part it is a little bit harder, but I'll take the good with the not so wonderful. So <laughs> gotcha. Yeah. So when it starts getting warmer, are you a little sad? You know, I'm afraid to answer that question, honestly, because I think whoever's <laughs> listening to me is gonna be like, okay, I don't like her already. <laughs> But I'll go ahead and tell you that, yes, there's a part of me that does get a little sad. And also, let me qualify to the listeners who are thinking, what on earth did this woman just say? Um, the summers in Montreal, ladies and gentlemen, are sweltering, okay? It is like Mordor around here. So when summer actually manifests itself, um, yeah, I have a bit of a funeral. It's really sad for me. <laughs> so... Thankfully, they're short-lived, but yeah, they're intense. Gotcha. Yeah, I definitely am the exact opposite. I'm like in heaven <laughs> right now, I'm like warmth. So great. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I cannot wait to hear your thoughts on John 11, 1 through 44. As you know, we're in a series called Hard Providence. And so mm -hmm. I'm just can't wait to see what you add um, to the series. So how about we jump right in, just reading the scripture? Um, Sounds great. You... Okay, yeah. good. <laughs> would you mind taking the first 22 verses and then I'll finish the last? Sounds great. Let's do it. Okay, so this is the Gospel of John, chapter 11. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, 
the village of Mary and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with an ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sister sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. After saying these things, he said to them, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died, and for your sake I am glad that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. So Thomas, called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go, that we may die with him. Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them concerning their brother. So when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him. But Mary remained seated in the house. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the son of God, who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. 
Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with the cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. I'm going to say a quick prayer. Yeah. Lord, thank you so much for your word that is alive and active and true. Lord, I've been looking at this passage for a minute now, and each time I read it, it just hits me, Lord. Just the truth of who you are and the resurrection and the life we have in you. I'm humbled by the way you work, even though I don't understand it completely. Lord, I pray you use this time, God, to just satisfy us again with your word. Turn our eyes away from worthless things and give us life in your ways. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Man, I just feel like this this passage has so much in it. And obviously in one conversation, we're not going to do it justice. But I believe that the Lord is with us and um, in the areas that we're going to focus on today. So what stood out to you most? What did you spend time on in this passage? Well, um, I mean, this is a very powerful piece of scripture. Um, Mm -hmm. I agree with you. Um, Several things did. And then in the end, I was looking for a theme around them. And so I think, Mm -hmm. okay, so to answer your first question, a couple of things that uh, stuck out at me the first time I read through it. um, there, There are things going on that seem disjointed. Example, He is told that Lazarus is ill and he chooses to stay extra time where he is. Now, we are told from the beginning why that is, because he's already explaining that the illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God. Okay, so the information is already given. But then in verse five, I I just I love that sentence. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, 
he stayed two more days. <laughs> and I'm thinking, you know, it's like, okay, so the sentence is informing us that because he loved him, he decides to stay longer. And although the reader has the benefit of the information in the previous verse, you know, that this illness will lead to something bigger than what we can see, that sentence in, in verse five is disruptive to me. It's, um, yeah, I think our human sensibilities come to a halt there. Yes. But why, if you love them, it's like the, the, the sentence is so intentional. It's informing you, first and foremost, he loves them. And then comma, which is why he's going to stay longer somewhere else. <laughs> so, okay, so that really stuck out um, to me the first time I read this. Um, and of course, as we read the rest of the passage and, you know, just let our minds simmer in what's really going on here. It was just so interesting for me to realize it is because he loves them that he's delaying all of this because of the bigger picture that's going to happen later. That is what prompted the, the delay. It's love for them because there's something greater coming. Um, and we see that in the exchange with the disciples because he says, I am glad for your sake so that you may believe. And although he's addressing the disciples in that conversation, we can infer that Martha and Mary are part of that since we are told in verse five, he loves them. And so mm -hmm. to me, that was, that was something that I had to really chew for a while. Mm -hmm. um, because even if we've read, you know, this story before, even if we were familiar with the book of John, or this is the first time reading it, like to me, it doesn't matter. The words are still very disruptive, honestly mm -hmm. speaking. And mm -hmm. it reminds me that whether we are familiar with this piece of scripture or it is new to us, um, the, the shock of an all-knowing God who happens to also be all-loving Mm -hmm. is going to have an impact on us. Mm -hmm. And our finite minds are not going to be able to discern and digest at the first, you know, at the mm -hmm. first moment. Yeah. So that's something that really hit me. That's really good. Because I feel like we like the idea of an all-knowing God when it comes to like us, mm -hmm. our circumstances, him knowing us and then doing what we think he should do. <laughs> but knowing exactly. <laughs> and not really doing anything about mm -hmm. our timetable or the way we want, like that's another thing. So my, I wonder, Paula, um, how does that truth, like you said you had to chew on it for a while, mm -hmm. um, how does that like intersect with your everyday life like the things you're processing whether it's you know with the coronavirus or something else whatever you're willing to share in this place yeah for sure that's a great question actually um well I'm gonna answer it partly with another part of the same passage here another part sure. of the scripture because in the end you know we've heard the classic statement you know the bible explains the bible at least I heard that many times from mentors and um, and pastors and Bible teachers, and it is indeed so true. So what has helped me to come back to this and, and digest what I've been chewing actually happens a few verses later. And I will answer your question about, in practical terms, presently speaking with our situation, how does mm -hmm. that help me? But um, I just want to 
bring your attention to um, verse 9 and 10. So Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours? So, okay, context for listeners. I don't mean to move here and there, but, um, you know, he, he's telling them that he wants to go to Judea. And, and we are informed through that conversation. The disciples' reaction informs us that this is a bad idea because they want to stone him there. So, of course, naturally, again, the disciples are working with what they know and what they see right in front of him. And it makes sense to them to protect him and to want to avoid places where, you know, he will get stoned and they will probably be attacked. And so they're questioning, why are we going back to Judea? And Jesus's answer, the first time I read it through, I was like, well, what is he talking about? He's not answering their question. (laughs) It bothered me at first. And of course, as per usual, scripture invites us to just dig deeper. He says to that question, why are we going back to a dangerous place? In verse 9, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. And as we look through what what is he inferring in that answer when he talks about day and night and 12 hours of the day? Um, and it's interesting that in a sense he's describing I'm going to put it in really modern terms, Laura, but he's talking about business hours, you know, and of course, Mm. this is ancient times and people measured their working hours, if you will, by the sunlight. And so as long as the sun was up, it was time for work. And when the sun was coming down, it was time to wrap things up and head home. And so in the language, Jesus is pointing to work that needs doing. And so Mm. what's interesting to me is both the, the... the immediate informative uh, illustration here of ancient times, but also the much deeper message that Jesus is answering his disciples, because essentially in, in very plain terms, he's saying, I have work to do while it is still daylight, as in while my ministry is still going. In mm. other words, the mission of Jesus, why he came was to die. And he knew that. And he knew that Mm -hmm. heading to Judea was heading toward the cross. And so, trust me, I did not get here on my own. I had a long conversation with my husband, just full disclosure to your listeners. I'm not (laughs) this smart on my own. I'm smart because I married someone much smarter than me. Um, But as we were discussing this, it really, it really gripped my heart. Um, And so now to answer your question, and how does all of this tie together in practical terms with the, the situation right now? Um, actually, it really shook me and it has profound implications because we are living in such a, it is such a peculiar time. It is a time where we have to sit in the tension of knowing only enough for today. And that's Mm -hmm. literal sometimes. I mean, I'll give you an example and I'm sure many people out there will relate because we're all sort of in the same boat right now in this unique moment that globally looks more or less the same for most people um, across cultures even with some differences, I'm sure. But overall, in principle, it's looking very similar for all of us. And that is food wise. You know, we at least where I live, we can order, you know, for the food to be delivered to our door. I'm thankful for that. But even then I can only order so much and the system, because it's so overcrowded right now with everybody else doing it, um, it lets me order only every two weeks. Um, 
and I'm sure there are other places where there's a variation and, and, and a different version of that. But in principle, we have in the West, at least in Western culture, we have access to resources, but I think in a more limited fashion than we normally would when things are normal. And it's like we're being forced to live with just enough for a while. Information-wise, this has never been more true. Because if you see um, if you see the press conferences of you know your government, or if I see the ones here in Canada, the perpetual question from journalists is, okay, when will this be over? <laughs> when can we reopen everything? Mm -hmm. And you know, in different wording, it will vary from country to country, and you know, head of state from head of state. But but the message is more or less the same. It's we can give you an estimate between now and a week or two, but. It, it would be superfluous to give you an answer that we for sure know that on this day, at this hour of this month, we will all, you know, um, retake life as we knew it. That, that would be irresponsible and none of us have access to that kind of data. We could have models and estimates, but not a for sure statement. And so I look at Jesus and his answer to his disciples. I look at the unique moment that we are all facing right now where we have to sit in this tension of a lot of uncertainty and just enough, whether it's information or resources for just the next little bit. And I'm reminded of what he answered them. You know, there are still this many working hours that I have left in my ministry as I head to the cross. I mean, this is essentially what he's pointing to with that statement. And it has confronted me, Laura, because I think, okay, Lord, in this unique moment, us in the West, us in North America who love to have plans, who love to have forecasts, this is what the first quarter of the year will look like, these are my projects for the second quarter, you know, it's like we work that way. Even those of us that do not work in the business sector at the moment, we like to have things planned out, mapped out, and frankly, mm -hmm. right now we can't. And I look at this passage and I think to myself, it forces me to look at myself and the time that I'm in and ask myself, Lord, am I tending to the precious few items that you are requiring me to tend to at this moment? And they have to be few because I don't have access to a lot of information or resources, but what are they and am I doing it? Because Jesus was very laser focused about his mission. And even mm -hmm. when it meant heading to Judea, where the disciples were not too thrilled to go because they were going to be stoned. And so much so that we see it in the reply that Thomas gave him. I mean, I can almost hear the sarcasm in Thomas. If you go to verse 16, Thomas called the twins, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. It's almost like I can almost hear him saying, okay, great. I guess we'll go and we will get stoned too. You know, it's like, mm -hmm. um, <laughs> and yeah, it really challenged me. And in practical terms, it makes me want to pause and really ask God and myself, okay, what's in front of me to do for this little moment with this little much I have access to? What am I being called to do? And am I doing it? Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's good. I feel like I need to like make a little note of that question. Can you say that again? That yeah. Question? Yeah, I think sure. it's good for us to hear it. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, what is it that in this present moment that is so unique to all of us, where we have access to only enough information for the next few days, and most of us 
even in the West have resources for, you know, only, um, only a few days or a few weeks at a time. This is out of our comfort zone. This is not the typical abundance of everything that we in the West tend to enjoy. So with the little bit in front of us and the little bit um, of information, what is it that God has shown us and asked us to do? And are we doing it? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, and I don't want the, the question to land uh, on the ears of our, our listeners and, or yours or even mine as um, uh, like a judgmental question. No, that's not it. Mm-hmm. Because I think God knows our mm-hmm. frame. Like mm-hmm. we are very small. We are very finite. So the question ought to come with a, a healthy degree of wonder and, and joy and, mm. and faith, you know? No, I don't know. So what is it, Lord? Um, and and mm-hmm. give me what I need to walk the next few steps, you know, with the little bit of information and the little bit of resources that I have access to, because right now everything is a little bit at a time. Um, mm-hmm. So with that little bit at a time that I have access to, what is it? And And I know, Laura, like you are a mother of three littles. Like to you, that answer is going to look very different than for me. Um, me mm-hmm. and my husband, we are a couple in our 40s. We don't have children. Um, our lives and our schedules and our calendars look vastly different from someone that has children right now. But the question remains the same. And the answer mm-hmm. may have a different version according to the season that we are all in. But mm-hmm. all of us who follow Jesus have been given a little bit at a time and a little mm-hmm. bit of resources for right now. And are we looking at it the way Jesus did, explaining there was still business hours left in his mission? Mm. You know, mm. um, that's good. Yeah, because there's still there are still business hours in our mission. Yes, and ma'am. Like so, there is good hard work to do. And what really strikes me as you're talking is that a lot of what you're saying is actually always true, but we've been in under an illusion <laughs> that it's not like, we don't know what tomorrow has in front of us. And this has just proven that Yes, all we have is what's in front of us today. And as a mom, that's always being preached, like do the next thing, like look at what's in front of you. Mm-hmm. And the gift of this time for me has been like, Oh, this is really what I have to do. It's just <laughs> what I'm supposed to do right now is very clear because I can only do what's in front of me. Oh, um, okay. And then I've been like freed up to do other things that have always been in front of me that I just didn't even have time for before. And now I'm like, mm-hmm. wow, like, I didn't even know that I had a heart for this thing. Something as simple as just like, getting interested in gardening or um, actually interacting with my neighbors a bit more. Um, It's so easy to just, you know, run, run, run to the next thing, the next event, the next thing on my schedule and not slow down enough. But this has forced me to like check on my neighbors. Like, how are you guys doing over there? (laughs) So, I mean, I can always do that. That's never been like something I couldn't do, but now I see it like, wow, I have time for neighbors. I can reach out to them. This isn't as scary as it seemed in the past or whatever. So that's that's a good word, Paula. That's a good word. Did you catch that? Paula helped me see something I hadn't paid much attention to before. 
It's so easy to gloss over verses 9 through 10, but here we see Jesus' focus, aim, and mission. He still had work to do. In one sense, we are humbled because that work was for us. It's a work we can't even begin to fathom or do on our best day, but in Him, we are called to also work for His glory. And even now, even in these strange times, there is good work to do. I pray God helps us live out our callings one day at a time with gratitude through him and for him. Thank you for joining us and stay tuned for part two. Have a blessed week.